Hi everybody. What do you think of when I ask, where do architects stay? Do you think of a place with lots of windows, a place surrounded by nature, or maybe you think of a tiny home on a mountaintop? So what if I told you that there are certain lodging around the world that cater toward the design enthusiasts and that you, along with the rest of the planet, have the power to experience them yourself. So would you be up for the journey through the woods to, to get to a treehouse in Sweden? Or maybe you would be open to living the nomad lifestyle in a variety of cultural homes. Well, in this new series of the Property Marketers Show, we are exploring the many accommodations for design enthusiasts while telling you more about the beauty and inspiration that come with staying in these places. The first of the series comes from a nomad architect, a friend of mine named Adi Cohen. She is an expert in living the nomad lifestyle along with being an amazing architect that loves the idea of tiny homes and living life to its fullest potential. So, take this journey with us as we explore more about the question, where do architects stay? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Property Marketers Show. So I'm trying to start a new series, everybody. Uh, the simple idea of staying in a temporary accommodation can look very different for many architects. Uh, this is why I've decided to explore the question, where do architects stay and why? I guess the idea came from the book that I have next to me, Where Do Architects Stay by the same name. Um, so in this first adaption of the series, I, I wanted to, I, I, I was joined by Adi Kohan. She is a nomad architect with a love for people and traveling. Uh, she's here to tell us more about uh, some of her past accommodations, uh, the tiny home trend, and what she has going on in her life at the moment. So welcome to the show, Adi. Hi, Cole. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. Before we get into it, I guess uh, maybe a quick summary of uh, like who who are who are you? Who are you? Uh, how would you describe yourself? <laughs> who am I? I guess that takes a lifetime to answer, but I'd say I'm passionate about feeling alive rather than waiting to live, and that had led me uh, five years ago into selling all my belongings and go on a journey around the world. Um, where I'm still living a nomadic lifestyle as an architect. I founded a studio called The New Movement, where we help uh, change makers and visionaries to create the projects of their dreams. And we're basically interested in anything that is one of a kind, that is human-centered, and that is trying to make the world a better place. That's in a nutshell. I love it. I love it. I love the description. Uh, couldn't couldn't have better uh, said it my couldn't have said it better myself. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I wanted to start this new series like uh, where do architects stay and like why? 
um, because like I said, the book that I, that I have in front of me. Um, so I wanted to like ask a few questions kind of related to it. Um, so when you look for like a temporary stay, what do you kind of consider as an architect? Uh, what do you even consider like the type of place that you stay? What would you, what would you say to this question? Yeah, always. That, that's a really good question. As, and as a nomad myself, you can only imagine that over the past five years, I stayed in hundreds of places. Uh, although I'm trying to travel slow, my ideal stay is pretending I'm a local and okay. not so much about like the fancy, you know, like whatever kind, Airbnbs, although I also sometimes do that. Mm -hmm. But my ideal way of traveling is actually exploring places as local. So I'll try and stay in apartments and in the center of the city and try to make local friends and really immerse myself in the culture. Um, but I have to say, I the more I learn about it, I'm kind of a geek when it comes to neuroscience and cognitive psychology. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is how the built environment affects our well-being, our physical and our mental well-being, and mm -hmm. how it affects our happiness and creativity levels and performance. And it's huge. It's a huge topic. And it took me nearly 10 years to find this knowledge. And I don't know how come. So ever since I'm more aware of the enormous effect the built environment has on us as human beings, mm -hmm. I'm very picky. I can't stay in ugly places. <laughs> I just, I had, I, I gave a talk last week and I confessed that sometimes I'll go to Airbnbs and change the light bulbs because the, I don't like white light. <laughs> I love it's that. Just, no, you know, it's just, it's just like, it's important to you. Exactly. And, and you're an architect as well. So you kind of have this way of thinking, right. That you, you want to see a place uh, for you. So I, I, I completely, I completely get where you come, come from really. Yeah. So, you know, in a way, this book should be where do all people stay and why not only architects, just as human beings, mm. you know, when you go online and you want to book your next vacation or you're looking for your next apartment, what makes you choose a certain place over the other and why? And that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. It's not only about, you know, I think, I think like we're shifting from um, also in our personal lives, right. from how things look from the outside to how things feel from the inside, what's important to me and not only how, you know, it may be photographed, but mm -hmm. also what, what does it mean for me to wake up in a certain place and have that view or have that tall ceiling or have that, you know, like natural materials around us? Yeah. Uh, so I feel like more, more, more and more people care about that question. So not only architects, all human beings, especially after the pandemic. Especially after the pandemic. Yeah, good, uh, good thing you brought that up, especially because people want to go everywhere these days. So it's, um, it's interesting. It's an interesting question. I didn't, I didn't really dive in extremely deep, but I, that's what we're going to do today. Um, but I love yes, it. Yes, that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I guess since you're, since you're always like being on the go, like what, what have you kind of considered when you're, when you're actually looking for a place to stay like what would what would you actually consider uh would it be like the lighting would it be like the the type of like furnishing or the location what, what would you say mm -hmm. I always start with can I and I think everyone does that too but can you picture yourself living there 
right? When you look into an apartment, I don't know, you have that window seat. You're just like, oh, that will be the perfect place to have my morning coffee. So other than location, Mm. which is important when you're going to a new country, new city, um, to be able to move around, that's a lot of independence right there. But about the the actual space, can you envision yourself living there? Can you, what kind of moments are you going to experience being there? And then can this space accommodate those moments? Because basically any design is an invitation to behave a certain way. So I look at at the space and I think, okay, can I picture what I want to do in the next few weeks in that space? Interesting. And yes or not. So yeah. more like forecasting, forecasting what you might do uh, within that uh, area. Exactly. Love it. Exactly. Love it. I, I look what kind of invitation the space is generating and then mm-hmm. I know if it fits me or not. It's not really about a certain style. You know, I won't be only staying in places that have modern chic. It's not about that. Yeah. It's, it's way, way more than that. Okay. Okay. No, I love it. I love it. So would you say like, uh, do people like stay in places that really match their personality? What would you, what would you kind of say to that question? Uh, would you agree Absolutely. with it or? Absolutely. I think, well, that's the ideal scenario. Uh, not always, not always we can afford that obviously because of budget and other considerations, but I like to think of it as so as humans we have some patterns that we share just all of us as just as a species the Mm -hmm. the way we evolved the kind of places that we find charming you know that those places that had like a timeless quality you ever walk down the street and think to yourself oh i wish i could live here why what makes a place charming what makes a place irresistible these are the kind of things that we're researching in the new movement and then there are the personal things what i like to call your own um memory palette Mm -hmm. it's like the summary of experiences the places you grew up the places you traveled to and remind you you have like those patterns of those places and then we keep seeking the same places where we already had a positive aesthetic experience so ideally it will be the combination of both Mm -hmm. so all those experiences also your personality absolutely and that's unique to you but as humans, we share some things in common. For example, there's something called uh, the prospect and refuge theory, which mm-hmm. is the feeling that you have when you're uh, protected from above and um, behind, and you're overlooking a distant view. This is one of the most rewarding, um, you know, neurobiologically speaking, um, patterns you can experience. So for example, when you go to a viewpoint or if you sit on a window seat that has a distant view, it right. just feels good, right? It does. Just it think does. to yourself, yeah, it's like, wh- why, right? Because we can look, we can, well, evolutionary speaking, we can um, locate potential threats mm-hmm. or resources. And your biology just tell you, oh, I love it here. This is yeah. very good for your survival. So here are a bunch of hormones that make you feel great. <laughs> and it's going to make your, your blood pressure. Um, it's going to affect your blood pressure and autoimmune system. It's just right. mind-blowing what you can do with architecture. Wow. So something, this, is, this we have in common, all human beings. Mm-hmm. But then we go into more specific things that we grew up in, let's say certain colors or certain... Um, public spaces that reminds right. you of home or reminds you of your hometown or your, 
your childhood, how you grew up in. These are very personal things that you and probably only you will like because of that specific memory. Mm-hmm. Wow, so it really goes into the psychology of it all. It's not just the it's not just the location or uh, like what you put inside the location. It's more so like who are you as a person and like what what do you value and what kind of experiences do you value? I love that. Uh, that's a really good point that you brought up. Yeah, thank you. You know, and then it makes you think about all those new buildings that we're building that are yeah. pretty much soulless and really mm-hmm. boring. And how is it going to make us feel? Yeah. When you look into a new city, let's say you travel to a new city, uh-huh. you go to the historic part or to the new part. Why are the I'm buildings that we're building part. nowadays, yeah. <laughs> right? Why are they so boring? And how can we change that? Because it's going to affect us. That's very true. No, it's um, it's funny because well, I'm I'm currently living in Dubai, and then uh, I guess I don't want to say anything soulless, but I mean it's a very new <laughs> it's a new city, uh, very modern. Uh, but like, yeah, the history that you, when you go to Europe, it's it's completely different, uh, your mindset. So I, I completely get that. Mm-hmm. Depends on what you what you want, I guess. Um, but I, I also I also wanted to bring up. So you're you you love the idea of like tiny homes. Um, like mm-hmm. I, I, I looked it up on um, your, your your own podcast. Uh, we didn't we didn't actually say you have a podcast, but she has a podcast. True. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was looking at the like tiny homes a little bit, um, and I wanted to talk about it um, with you. Uh, can you think of like a place in the world that tiny homes would would have like a wider audience, or people would be like more accepting of that? Uh, what what kind of place in the world would you would you really think of that that would love the tiny home movement? Okay, that's a good question. So first of all, tiny homes for um, full-time living, it's one thing. And mm. just as, a, let's say, a getaway, an off-grid the media detox kind of escape, it's a different story. But right. let's say in order to enjoy living in a tiny house, you have to be able to move around, especially if it's on wheels. So right. that makes also the biggest markets nowadays are the US, Canada, and Australia. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about an off-grid um, getaways, which is pretty much the new luxury. Also, we talked about it in the podcast. The, the fact that we're so connected nowadays digitally it just means that if you know, if you want to, <laughs> the new luxury is to be able to be off grid, to be offline. Mm-hmm. If you can afford that, it means you're doing well. Okay. So to okay. go on on like you know like a a vacation somewhere and being completely off grid somewhere in nature usually, and that this kind of experience for tiny houses, I think we can apply anywhere but we have to adapt it to the local climate and where we are of course Mm -hmm. so i guess uh there's many different factors that that come into play but uh for the most part western countries have been uh kind of like the biggest audience of these guys the the tiny homes yes okay but in their modern form yeah in their (laughs) modern form okay fair enough fair enough and do you think like well Tiny homes are big on like the minimalist uh, style, the trend that's going on. Uh, do you think like that that kind of style will continue um, into the future? What do you, what do you think? Absolutely, you know I think that people value more and more experiences over belongings. Mm-hmm. I don't know when was the last time that you moved apartments. Uh, just recently about three minutes three months ago yeah (laughs) three months ago three minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) 
just moved in. I just arrived. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on your new place. <laughs> no, but seriously though. Um, so when you moved the apartment, mm-hmm. did you had that experience of, oh, I have all this stuff that I don't ever use. Did, it, did you have this? It thought? does click. It does click. Yeah. Like, uh, do I really need this? Do I, can I throw out this? I don't really need this. So it, it does click at, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason I became an, a minimalist is because I m- had to move like three apartments. Uh, mm-hmm. That was back before I left Israel, where I'm originally from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved into a new place. Then there was a construction site next door. Um, so I moved to a different apartment where I discovered there is a club on the weekends and everything was shaking. So I, it kind of felt like the city was trying to push me away. Okay. But it also led into me moving, um, let's say, three apartments in two months, something wow. like this. Yeah. Really annoying. And every time I'd carried my stuff up and down the stairs, I just thought to myself, why do I have all this? <laughs> what yeah. do I really need? And if you even look at big companies nowadays that are doing well in mm-hmm. the sharing economy, um, world that we're living in that is just getting bigger none of them are selling actual stuff they're selling services that we can use things that we can share mm-hmm. um, we had this idea that we have to be radically independent right you have to have our own coffee machine our own washing machine even though we just use it maybe twice a week yeah and one of my the guests of my on my podcast said something that really stayed with me he said that when he moved, I think it was to Berlin, and he ordered uh, a new washing machine. And then in the meantime, one while he was waiting for his new washing machine to arrive, he used yeah. to go to the public ones on the street on Sundays and do his laundry there. And then he met the neighbors and made friends. Really? And even after he received his new washing machine, he kept going there because he liked the atmosphere. Yeah. So... Maybe we don't need everything all the time. We can share more. It's better for the planet. It's better for our social interactions. Mm. That's what I think. And that, that also, with, with, from the minimalist, minimalism style? Yeah. Um, for me, I do agree uh, to an extent uh, because I do love to have my own place. I love to have my own everything. Um, I'm big on like, yeah, I want to, want to live like just... A certain way so I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to uh, agree with everything uh, that goes along with minimalism uh but i i do agree with the fact that you don't need everything you don't need everything mm-hmm. uh you can live without a, a lot of things um but yeah i guess i guess uh i'm i guess a different person i i like to i like to live sort of independently rather than uh constantly uh, speaking to everybody um introvert <laughs> slash extrovert <laughs> I don't know. I hear you. I hear you there. <laughs> and still, I think many of us nowadays are using items as a way to feel better. Mm-hmm. Right? Like um, someone I met told me that she has um, in one of the big fashion uh, websites, she yeah. always has, um, you know, like a checkout cart that is full. And then if she's having a bad day, she'll just click on purchase and then it'll make her feel better. You don't even need yeah. those stuff, right? It's like, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're doing it a bit wrong. You think about, about it. 
when you think about that side, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be able to do that, but <laughs> I, that, that's one way to like uh, kind of reward yourself after a, a, any bad day or something like that. Uh, I kind of exactly. get it. <laughs> yeah. And as a minimalist, you have to come up with different methods mm-hmm. of doing that. If you're having a bad day, you don't need new clothes. But mm-hmm. what you do need this is a new experience or, or a friend or your support system. And then it just frees up so much time. So it's a different reward system then. Yeah, it's a it's it, you're still like rewarding yourself, but it's more uh, just a different reward system altogether. Yeah. And it's not about missing anything. I have everything mm-hmm. I need and more than that. Right. It's about knowing why am I buying what I'm buying and how am I going to use that and do I really need it? And am I doing that from a place of actual need or am I doing that just because I'm a little bit bored today or my boyfriend texts me something weird and I want to feel better and yeah. distract myself. So, so yeah, and the whole idea of conscious uh, consumerism or even conscious tourism, uh-huh. right? More and more people care about the values of the places that we travel to, the places that we live in and the companies that we buy from. Like I would rather pay more for the same item if I know that some of this money goes for a social impact project, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's it, yeah, okay. So it does it does go along with the the different style of reward system, but you're still trying to do something for uh, to, to help others. It may be to help others, but helping others also helps yourself. So I kind of get that as well. Okay, perfect. Right? It's, yeah. <laughs> perfect, 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 perfect. Just trying to understand it for myself. Perfect. <laughs> okay, so uh, what what would you be like, I don't know, uh, like ranking things that, that you kind of like uh, like to live with in, in terms of like importance? Like what, what would you say like you need uh, to, to, to sort of live in sort of like a minimalist lifestyle? Like, do you still need like a bed? Do you still need like a couch? Uh, I, I guess you still need like the basics, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course. I'm a human being and I like to sleep comfortably and I like to have beautiful things around me. Um, Fair enough. In my case, it's a bit different because I'm a nomad. So mm-hmm. I always rent out furnished apartments. But yeah, what would be the absolute basic? You know, I like uh, I like to give this exercise to my clients. Sometimes, if, yeah. you know, if they want to move to a smaller house, or if they want to go uh, living in a tiny house or going nomadic, and it's like we don't know what to pack. So for mm-hmm. one week, just write everything that you're using. Make a list mm-hmm. of every single item that you're using. By the end of the week, you'll have more or less the essentials, the basics. I think and all the rest myself. is it, yeah. It's a bonus. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a bonus. Fair enough. Yeah, that, that's a good exercise for, for everybody that's listening. Yeah, uh, You have one week and then you just write down like, what did I actually use? Did, did I water the plant? Maybe you still need a plant. Or did I do something else? I, I think that's a really good idea. Good exercise. Um, it is. And, and I like to call it design for moments because it's not only about what we're using, it's about how we live. Right. Mm-hmm. So you wake up in the morning and what do you do? Do you have a, a morning ritual? Maybe you do yoga, meditation, or you like to drink your tea. And then because every design is an invitation. So we have to make sure that when we, let's say, design your house, we right. want to make sure that we're doing that according to the way that you would like to behave. So it's not only about how you live now. Right. It's, on, it's also about how you want to live in 5, 10, 
15 years time and what kind of behaviors we want the space to accommodate mm -hmm. oh so i'll let you think about that <laughs> this, is really, this is when it, this is where it yeah. gets really interesting okay okay <laughs> no because I, I i'm still like okay so that goes into like forecasting right you're still like forecasting like what what you kind of really want to do um and that goes into mm -hmm. even like what kind of habits do you think you'll you'll have down the line too that's that's very interesting um yeah, I, I didn't think I'd be thinking this much, but yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Good. I'm happy. <laughs> okay. So what do you, what do you think you need to like, uh, keep in mind though? Like, obviously it's a good, good question to ask you. Uh, like, what do you think you need, you should like keep in mind though, when you're, when you're like building kind of like tiny homes in places that value uh, these traditional architecture or they might be less accepting to like bold ideas of tiny homes. So there's places, mm -hmm. you know, across, across Europe that are more like traditional uh, architecture, um, but they don't really want to kind of like go too far out um, into uh, like these massive ideas. So like, what would you say to them? Um, and like, what would you keep in mind? Mm -hmm. Sure, um, that's a good question. It feels like people are looking sometimes for this magic solution that we can apply worldwide, right? It's like, okay, let's design this tiny house that is gonna work wherever yeah. we put it. But actually we have to keep in mind that site-specific is a thing. Okay. And in order to be um, sustainable and to have an ecological mindset, we have to understand, I like to say, to ask what people used to do here before electricity was invented right? Like the traditional architecture, because, you know, we're all really excited about the zero miles construction concept, but actually mm -hmm. this is how it used to be for centuries. This is all we had. We couldn't import from China and we couldn't do other things. It's but true. then when you design a tiny house, how about we'll find a sweet spot between modern comfort and what makes sense in that specific region mm -hmm. and try and be respectful of that. So combining those two, and in terms of the actual design, I, I can see this very, it, this is a very common mistake that people design a tiny house, but they don't fully envision how they're gonna live there. So then you end up having uh, a bed that blocks the closet, right? Uh, so yeah. for each function of the room, you have to not only think how it fits, but also when you're using it and maybe doing like a, a diagram where what are the things that I always use at the same time and what are the things that I never use at the same time and then you can design it according to that it all starts with and with people as you can see always. yeah oh it all it, it starts and ends with uh, with people I guess uh, when it comes to uh, tiny homes but is that the same with with architecture as well would you say always like what What's the real purpose of the whole thing right is it, mm -hmm. it architecture is more than having a roof over your head it's about helping people thrive, about making comfortable, beautiful, functional spaces where you can live easily, where you don't even think about it. Do you know those places where it's so intuitive? It's, yeah. it's usually in kitchens. You just open different drawers and it just feels like everything was... It's like free-flowing. Yeah. Yes. So that kind of design, this is what I think it's like what we all should be aiming for. Just that it feels so easy that you never have mm -hmm. to put the little stickers with the text, you know, uh, forks. 
uh, yeah cops. fair enough <laughs> you just you just know where it is you know it, it <laughs> you don't you don't have to actually map out the entire process you you just have to um it's it's more free-flowing it's instinct instinct now i know exactly, exactly where i'm going and you don't yeah. have all those yeah, yeah, and you don't have those different signs, um, you know, um, mind the step or, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, hope, just... uh, I hope not. I haven't seen that in any homes, so yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank goodness. Thank goodness nobody has. <laughs> but um, okay, perfect, perfect. So, all right. So for you, you you've definitely traveled uh, a lot uh, extensively. Um, I can say that uh, a lot. So I wanted to kind of touch on like some of the some of the places that you've kind of stayed as well. Um, like, do you think like there's a there's a trend going on uh, with like Airbnb people like looking for places that are um, more unusual, uh, like container homes, mm-hmm. like there's there's somebody sleeping in a giant potato right now and that's that's a thing so <laughs> <laughs> there's there's like these experiences uh that that people are kind of looking for do you feel like that would continue like what do you think about that yes i think it's going to continue <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but i don't know about the potato but i know that people seek experiences and they seek something that feels different and and create an experience so how we operate is mm-hmm. actually when we see something that is unusual our eyes tend to fixate on that and then we develop an emotional connection right. so when something is irregular we love it especially if it's you know something that we do as an experience of so i don't think someone will actually live in a potato house but yeah yeah to temporary. have those one of a kind places where you know you just also in terms of marketing right if any of your listeners are founders of projects yeah if you design something that is unique and that i can look at it and immediately know where it is and what is it mm-hmm. you don't ever have to spend money on marketing because the person already knows exactly the message that you're giving yeah and and it's easy to remember it's easy to Mm -hmm. it's easy to identify with your brand it's creating a signature uh, design for the brand so in that sense it makes makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna say i guess the best marketing is uh is not marketing (laughs) is is when you don't have to (laughs) actually market uh the the product that people know exactly what it is like apple or for example i guess Mm -hmm. yeah exactly i couldn't agree more (laughs) very cool very cool all right so so has there been like uh, I guess I don't know if you've slept in a giant potato but uh, has there been any accommodation (laughs) that you can't forget Um, like what what does make what makes that that place so special uh, to you Mm. okay yeah I've I traveled quite a lot, as you said. Uh, But yeah, there are a few places that stayed with me. And I'd say one of them is um, in the mountains in Japan. I stayed in a a Zen dojo that actually was constructed from some of the oldest trees, some of the oldest wood that you could find in Japan. And that was really remarkable. Wow. Also because of the Japanese way of doing carpentry. And in general, Japan for architects, it's like a candy store for children. You just walk around feeling completely mind blown by everything you see. 
Um, so I'd say this space really stayed with me also because of the nature that mm -hmm. was around it, but also because just that the architecture didn't really compete with that, which is the, kind of the opposite of what we just said of those right. unique uh, kind of like uh, gimmicky architecture that you see sometimes on Airbnb. It yeah. was just, it just fit in in such a perfect way that I was really speechless. Wow. Yeah, that, that's that's beautiful to see. Yeah, like you said, I guess Japan is um, sort of like the quintessential, like uh, everybody loves Japan for, for the architecture, the simplicity of the entire country. So I I, I love it as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm glad to know. So like what, what I guess the, the, the reason that place was so special was just uh, like the, the experience behind it or the story behind it, uh, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I like to call it architecture storytelling. Mm. So when you walk into a place and you feel like it has a story, you don't even need to think about it consciously. It's in right. your subconscious, but you feel that there is something being told through the structure, through the place, or you have a strong emotion right. uh, towards it. I really like places that activates my senses. So that felt like, you know, like being in a place that it's meditation itself. Yeah. And that's really something. I agree. I agree. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So, um, I guess that, that, that kind of leads into like sustainable design, like has, has, do you think like sustainable de design has now become like a consideration for like all architecture, um, uh, like architectural concepts and like, if not, like what needs to be done to kind of create that same, uh, vision, would you say? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I wish that would be my absolute goal yeah. <laughs> and mission to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to we have to build in a more sustainable way and not only sustainable, but actually regenerative, you know, make it even better by mm. being there, not only sustain what already exists. Uh, so that will be the goal. I know that some, you know, it takes time for change to happen, but I know that already some companies and some uh, investors are not willing to invest in projects that are not sustainable right. because looking where we're heading, they know that this is not going to last and they know mm. that uh, customers are not going to be happy with that. So if you can already implement some sustainable um, principles, that would be best. So hopefully, yes, I'm yeah. doing everything I can to make that happen. But yeah, it needs like a bigger, more, um, yeah, worldwide change in order to for that to really happen okay okay so it just needs more more marketing or needs more of like an audience um behind it uh or what would you say i think we need more case studies and this is also the reason i started my show because i feel like we need more modeling we don't really we all have those like really good intentions but yeah sometimes people don't know exactly what to do or how to execute it and what does it really mean am i looking for a lead certificate which is like a ranking system for architecture or right. am i looking for places that make people happy or can i do both or can i do something that is as local as possible so this is one of the things that I'm doing in the in the podcast is just to highlight stories of of different projects that are doing no sorry of founders that are doing mm -hmm. things differently where it's not only about profit. Profit is important. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you can't build anything without without funding. Fair but enough. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you <laughs> need it. Yeah. What if what if it also has purpose and also impact and profit? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> That's like the ideal the win-win situation that we're aiming for. The balance. And then, this is yeah. where the yeah, yeah, this is where the world is going to. Mm-hmm. Like 100 percent Just gonna take time. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree with all with, with what you're saying. Yeah, and it just needs some sort of balance the the money, the funding, and the the vision as well uh, going in there. So I, I love it. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so let's get back to your travels. So you've been <laughs> <laughs> you you've been to you've been to uh, like I said, I guess before we were talking here. Um, I got some roots in Portugal. I love Lisbon, um, but like what are the most like compelling takeaways um a nomad architect like yourself uh might like about um a place like portugal hmm. first of all i love portugal and i also have roots in portugal so maybe in a way we are related <laughs> who knows <laughs> <laughs> love it love it and lisbon is such a wonderful city i i need to at some point i want to write a piece about why so many people feel at home in lisbon because it has a lot of of those biophilic and evolutionary patterns that we that i mentioned before so portugal first of all the community right portugal is like a magnet for interesting people nowadays there's so much going on there's so many new projects being built it's just incredible the international community there is mind-blowing but in terms of the actual place, um, what can I say? 300, uh, if I'm correct, 300 uh, sunny days a year. That's that's a good start. Oh, yeah. Well, we that's need a natural light. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we are affected by natural light or our circadian mm-hmm. rhythms, and it really affects our health. So being in a place that actually have sun all year round, that's a huge plus. Right. Um, not only that, right? Lisbon you mentioned is built on seven hills so you always get that prospect and refuge theory that we talked about before Mm -hmm. right and look at the different tiles and patterns that you see around the city this is something that we like to call an effortless looking because of the way we evolved and Mm -hmm. in nature we have a lot of fractals so actually when you look at a fractal those geometric shapes that you can find in the tiles or in Morocco uh, that sort of detailing, it's really pleasing for us. So right. it's create a positive aesthetic experience. So you kind of like rest it when you, when you process this kind of information. So there's so many different aspects to Lisbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will write this article. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't take in the pattern thing that, that, because there's so many, there's so many uh, different, it's the same, like very similar in like places in Spain too. Um, like mm-hmm. the, the patterns that they have in the streets, on the on the walls, it does something to you uh, psychologically, I, I feel it's it's really uh, just soothing, really. Yes. And all those little tiny streets that you always like, streets, like it's one yeah. of my favorite things to do in Portugal, right? Just to just to walk around the streets and see where it will take you. And yeah. then you end up in this nice little cafe. It's like it's just wonderful, really. Mm-hmm. So you have this invitation to explore, right? The space always feels like you don't really use a car in Lisbon. You just walk a lot. And that's also something that we like. 
Love it. Love it. Uh, I think uh, tourism Portugal needs to sponsor this one. But anyway, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we're we really can, shouting uh... them out like crazy. But anyway, shout out to Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need it. Oh, wow. and they, they really it's don't so need it. Out. Honestly, it's uh, no. everybody loves this place. It's, uh, it's what's not to love really is what we're trying to get at. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what are what are your kind of thoughts when it comes to well, when you're traveling a lot, um, I traveled uh, Europe like about a year. I took a sabbatical. Um, mm-hmm. But like, what are your thoughts when it comes to like co-living as like a remedy to a problem that I kind of had sometimes, like the loneliness while living like the nomad uh, lifestyle? Like, what would you think, would you say like co-living is like a cure to this or, or like something uh, that could act as a solution? Absolutely. Yeah, co-living is is exactly for that. It's exactly for, you know, having that understanding that I'm willing to live in a smaller apartment mm-hmm. if it means I'll have shared spaces that I can choose for an introvert like you and sometimes me, right? I'm also half introvert, I could say. Half so introvert, half my space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I love people, but honestly, if I don't get the time of day that I'm just by myself, I'll go crazy. And True. Good co-living space will allow you both the choice. So co-living started maybe with nomads, which is also not completely true, but now you can see that everywhere. It's one of the biggest trends in real estate. You have co-living for students, co-living for elderly people, multi-generational co-living. It's now a thing and for families. So the key is we would like to live together, but we also want to have the choice of being independent, just like you said before. And yeah, I I see so many nomads uh, just hopping from one co-living to the other because yeah, that's the solution for making friends immediately when you go to a new place. Isn't that wonderful? I agree. I agree. I love it. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a supporter of co-living, but uh, just just because uh, you need that. Uh, yes, you need to conversate, but I also want that alone time as well. Got to have the, exactly. the balance once again. Yeah. And that's such a common mistake when founders mm-hmm. of co-living spaces, they design a place and say, oh, and let's do this big living room when everyone can meet. Yeah. And they want to force you to be there so they'll make the you know if you want to get to your room or to your apartment you have to walk through the living room but actually that's great a very bad experience for the users because really? imagine you're coming home you're kind of drained and you want to just be in your place but yeah. there is a big dinner going on you're like oh join us call we why don't you come <laughs> and sit with us and then you gotta yeah. be awkward so no you need to be able to choose how much social interaction you're going to have today and that is the key Really? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I love that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good thing to keep in mind uh, for anybody looking into the actual co-living style of things as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess uh, this kind of like a more of a closing sort of question, like how do you choose like your next location? What goes into kind of like the selection uh, for you? Um, since you, you, you've traveled uh, pretty much ex- extensively, I would say. Um, so like what goes into like the next like location for you? Yeah, you know, I prepared a slide for a presentation the other day. Oh, really? And you, see the, you see the world map. Yeah. And then it looks like a, like a kid drew in it. It just looks like <laughs> <laughs> just hilarious. Like scr- just scribbling to... all of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it looks so funny. <laughs> um, so for me, 
<laughs> what I usually do. Um, I like to call it intentional living. So I'll see okay. what do I want to experience next. I find myself altering between big cities, people, culture, mm -hmm. music, museums, arts, to very rural and remote places where I just want to get into deep work and focus more. So for me, it's really about what do I want to experience next and where can I find that? Okay, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I guess uh, you, you still have uh, so many places still on the map there, but it, it's oh good. <laughs> it's, it's still it's still good to know like what's next. I guess that's 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 a question that's always going to be kind of in the back of your head. So I wanted to ask it. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. And you know, after five years of doing that. Um, you find yourself not only that you want to go back to the places that you already visit and you know how they work and you have friends and you know where to live and all of that, but also I still have the need for adventures and go to new places. So ideally, I would structure my year in a way that I can go back to places that I love, mm -hmm. but also go on new adventures and explore new places because I'm it's just a curious self that I am. Perfect. Perfect. I like that. I like the, I like to hear that. Um, hmm. So you. I guess the final question is a question that you, that I listened to your podcast before. Um, and this question is going to come up at the end of her podcast at the end of every episode. So I wanted to ask her the host herself. Um, all right. So <laughs> I actually wrote it down on my phone. I was like, <laughs> let me see if I can remember this. All right. So okay. You go into a bar and you have a couple of drinks and your mind gets a little, like, I guess, otherworldly. Um, all of a sudden you have the craziest idea, um, but all you have is a napkin. So the next day you find that you're, you find in your pocket the same napkin. Like, what does the napkin say? How, how was that? How was, how was the, how was the question? Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> well, you, you skipped the part about all you have is a napkin. So you write it down on the napkin. And so you write but it it's on okay. the napkin. You write it down on the napkin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but well done. You know, okay. that's the first time someone asked me this question. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. You know, this, you got to like push it, push it to the other person sometimes. I mean, you're, you're the host, <laughs> but today you're the interviewee. So <laughs> got to ask. Yes. So my answer today, because it might change, yeah. uh, would be mm, to create the most inspiring places on earth. It's like a lab for human potential, which is something that I'm really interested in. Mm -hmm. so how would it look if i'd say if they have like no time limit no money limit yeah i would create let's say five different locations of the most epic places you can imagine yeah. places that you go in and you immediately feel so good that you just you say oh i i love it i didn't even <laughs> know that i could feel this good i didn't even know that i can think so clear create those kind of places that would be it's like a collaboration between you know science architecture neurobiology and yeah. nature itself and yeah that would be my crazy idea and hopefully i'll do it with or without that napkin <laughs> <laughs> inshallah in the future in the future <laughs> inshallah exactly beautiful so Thank you, Addy, for coming on the show today. That is all the questions I had for you today. 
And I really, really do appreciate you coming out um, and being part of this, I guess, this new series that I'm kind of developing. Um, so you were the first episode uh, and I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so honored to be the first episode <laughs> of this series. It's such an important series and I can't wait to see uh, what you come up with next. And thanks again for the invite. It's really a pleasure to be here. Of course, of course. Thank you.